0: Hi, Marsha. Hello. And welcome to all of you listeners. Um, this is episode 47 of Bulak and it's being recorded between my apartment in Amman, Jordan, and Marsha's in Rabat, Morocco. Where I've
1: where, been stuck for at least a month now.
0: <laughs> yeah, your confinement is even more um, hardcore than, than ours, and ours has been pretty hardcore.
1: Yeah, I think I'm not meant to go down into the street even. I think maybe I'm not even meant to go into the hallway of my building. I but there I are would, no police inside the building.
0: I would probably cheat a little if I could get away with it.
1: At I, this point.
0: I would probably do. Um. Yeah, so we're all adapting. Also like the fact that this has lasted a month, I mean my concept of time has really um blurred uh when you don't have events and and trips and encounters to kind of mark time with it's it's definitely gotten very very blurry around the edges um and and you need a slip of paper basically to have permission to go out on the street and we here in Jordan are on we're only allowed out between 10 and 6 every day and you're meant to only go shopping for necessities not just go out for Fun, although people do take walks and bike rides in their neighborhoods, so which is
1: really a, a health necessity.
0: I think. I think so. I think since we're in this for such a long haul, then then yeah, we do need to find ways to to make it to make it work, uh, and and sort of find long term solutions because I think it's going to be going on for so long.
1: Right, and, and so a number of. Prizes and, and literary awards, things we normally would have gone to in person, um, have moved to these online ceremonies. The International Prize for Arabic Fiction, uh, for which I would, in most years, be in Abu Dhabi to be in a big ballroom to hold our, you know, watch the shortlist videos and hear speeches and hold our breath for who the winner is if it hadn't already been leaked several hours before. Um, I watched on the internet and the sheikh zayed book award is slightly different because it is always announced um over uh, online and then what you attend is a ceremony with o- all the seven winners in the seven different categories and they they give talks so this year's international prize for arabic fiction went to abdullah eisawi which is the first time an algerian has won for for the spartan court it's a historical novel set in the early 19th century um told alternately between five I I'm just reading it now kind of somewhat belatedly since it's already won, but um told between five different characters. And that ceremony was very strange. <laughs> um because it was all there just to have the judge announce who won and then it was over. So sorry, what plat was so was it like on YouTube or it was on, on it was a live event or well i'm sure the speeches were pre-recorded it was woven together on youtube so there were three um the chair of of the of the prize uh, the chair of the board of the prize spoke a, a pre-recorded speech for a few minutes uh fleur um who is the administrator of the prize spoke for a few minutes and then the judge spoke the the chair of the judges spoke for a few minutes and told us at the end who it was. The whole thing took about fifteen minutes, um, and, and it was sort of surpri- surprisingly crisp and short. And then it was over. Um, whereas the shift, I you thought before, it was.
0: I, 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 sorry, you thought it was like perfunctory a little, or just it was, different. Uh, no, I found it very disappointing. <laughs> I, I mean. Uh, because you wanted people to speak more or to answer questions? or Well, yes. Yeah. So
1: usually there's a press conference afterwards. You can interrogate the judges about why they made this decision. Well, you know, there's gossip. There's You see people. Obviously, you're
0: not going to be able Oh, well, know, if you're comparing between the experience of actually going to Abu Dhabi and the experience of watching. Well, so in the end, YouTube. I'm
1: comparing the how the Sheikh Zayed Book Award panned out and how the IPAF one went online. And the Sheikh Zayed Book Award... I think was a much more successful online event because they we already knew who the winners were. So there was not this imperative to keep it secret until that moment. Um, and so they had recorded statements from each of the winners. And so it was fun to see. Oh, Also, there was a little chat box on the side. And so you could see the other 400 some people who attended the event. And uh, we were all, you know, <laughs> you could say at least, hi, Iroom, you know, <laughs> miss you so is this on a different platform is this on zoom no this than was YouTube? this was also on youtube but there was just okay. a little chat window in the side um and and we got to see you know salma Jayusi, who won cultural personality of the year um who's who it was her 90 somethingth birthday on the day of of the ceremony She had a lovely talk. Ibtisem Barakat, who won the Children's Award, had a lovely little talk. Um, uh, Unsif al Wahhabi who won for his poetry collection, the penultimate cup. I actually don't remember what he said, but, you know, it was nice to be able to see the writers and to feel you're participating in something.
0: Right. Well, presumably this is kind of a whole new, everybody's sort of going to have to figure out what sort of applications and what setups work the best for these kinds of online events and for moving everything online, uh, you know, because I think now sort of everybody's like, let's just do it online. You know, we were going to have this festival, we were going to have this conference, now we'll do it online. And, you know, it's actually, one, some things it's like hard to really do that for and and two i think thought does need to go into how to make it um actually work yeah um, abso-
1: absolutely and some prizes that i just realized then that the mahmoud kahil award for um for graphic novels a lebanese award went out and i didn't hear anything about it there was no ceremony uh i guess they must have sent out a press release to some people i right. just just heard
0: about it now I mean, in fact, rather than sort of having the traditional format where it's like you're on a podium and you announce it, like it might make more sense to do more kind of prepared things where you have, uh, you know, recorded mini interviews or videos or profiles with the people who are getting the award or up for the award, like, and you produce something that people can watch to get information about all the works and all the authors um, rather than try and sort of like stick to the, to the, to sort of replicating the existing formats. Um, Yeah. Although
1: I did really enjoy the, the part which to Sam Barakat for instance, could see that I was there at the ceremony because there was a little chat box and we could say hello to each other. Um, I I like this, even this very small, extremely minimal, um, I I attended a briefly attended an online event with <laughs> Masab who uh, actually lives down the street from me, but I haven't seen now in you know whatever six weeks um, on Instagram, and that was also nice because he's there. He is speaking from his apartment, and people are putting in questions in, um, about his current reportage in in the chat box. Right. This is the
0: the Associated Press's photographer in Morocco and our dear friend
1: in in Rabat. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) A good
0: friend who lives really a stone's throw away from me. But right. Um, Well, I just wanted to add something about the Sheikh Zayed Award in in case people aren't familiar with it. them I think a lot of people are familiar with the Air- International Prize for Arabic Fiction, or as it was originally called, the Arabic Booker. It's a big yearly award to like one novel that then gets translated into English and it does raise its profile quite a bit. And then uh, the Sheikh Zayed Awards, which are also out of Abu Dhabi, um, give a even more significant monetary award. I think it's like close to about $200,000 to works in a really kind of broad spectrum of genres. So you mentioned there's a kind of cultural personality of the year, which is a kind of lifetime achievement award. Um, And uh, there's an award to publications. There's an award for translation into, into Arabic, I believe. And, and one for young adult literature. So there's a lot of different categories like scholarly work. Um, I spoke to the, to the, to the Dutch academic um, who was who won an award uh, for his uh, for, for a huge book he's written about the presence and influence of the Thousand and One Nights in Western literature.
1: Mm. Um, his
0: his his name is Van Leeuwen. I think I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Um, and. Uh, and uh, I mean, he's he like he translated The Thousand and One Nights into Dutch. He's written an encyclopedia of The Thousand and One Nights. He's like a, s- a specialist of The Thousand and One Nights. But then he he wrote this book about how it's um its influence on yeah. And I think it's Western. Like he didn't get into. He said, you know, because of my own language, you know, restrictions and and other limitations. It's I I I didn't get into like African and Asian authors. He only did. He he said, "I only did." It's like Arabic, French, uh, English, some Spanish, some Italian. I mean, like he did a lot of languages, but not all of them. And his argument is that it's it's even more pervasive of an influence than one suspects. Mm. That it that it's that it's absolutely like a touchstone of Western literature. In fact, that that it's referenced by like almost so many major authors, even ones you wouldn't think. So that was interesting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'll link to his book. I think it's like 850 pages long and I would actually (laughs) love to read it. I'd love to have it, you know, and read it. (laughs) Yeah. I would love to maybe have read it. How about that?
1: I want that is a very good way of putting it. (laughs) (laughs) And or download all the information directly into my head. Right. Right. Um, So another Um, event that I'm going to attend Next week is in New York City. Of course, I'm not actually going to New York City uh, for this literary festival called the Saint-Jordi Literary Festival. But instead, I recorded two pre-recorded talks, one with Lissy Jaquette on The Frightened Ones, which we discussed last episode, and one with uh, Savad Hussain on uh, the novel Bebe Saha, or what they're calling in English, The Passage to the Plaza. Um And uh, so hopefully, I'm hoping that those (laughs) online events will go well, um, that there can be some kind of not just watching this video of Lissy and I and Savad and I talking, but also participation with the audience somehow. But you pre-recorded the conversations. I pre-recorded the conversations, but maybe as people are watching the conversations, they could throw in questions and I could type back to them. I I don't know. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to, how it's going to go online. I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're, 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 so, so this is an entire sort of uh, conference that has been moved online. So all the panels have sort of been turned into online conversations. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's supposed to take place between the 23rd and the 25th. I mean, it will take place. It was supposed to take place in person. Um, and it's the focus is on translated literature, and I was asked to curate some Arabic literature
0: and translation that is out recently. Mm. And so the novel you discussed, uh, sorry, so Passage to the Plaza. Um, you we're going to talk about this a bit more on this episode. Um, this is a a, a novel by the Palestinian author Sahar Khalifa. Yes, Sahar so Khalifa, but it's not a. But it's Go not ahead. a new book, right? Sorry. Definitely,
1: no, definitely not. So Sahar Khalifa, interestingly, um, you know, one of the most acclaimed Palestinian novelists of her generation, innovative in both form and style, um, and also wrote books that are really fun to read. Baba is is, you know, is is her most prominent novel. It was published in 1990 in the middle of the first Intifada um it, it was listed in the top one hundred novels of the arab writers union of the tw- top one hundred novels of the twentieth century by the arab writers union Bonnie paul's best one hundred novels um she was a, a finalist for the twenty twenty Neustadt prize uh, many of her novels uh i think half a dozen have been translated into english uh including the one that uh, Asul Fasl, uh which i can't remember what what it's called in english um which was uh, listed for the International Prize for Arabic Fiction in 2010 but this novel her classic novel uh her, which which was um i I understand um it she got a lot of pushback uh, when it when it came out at the time but is now her best selling and and most probably most illegally downloaded novel um it ha- had not ever been translated in part because of the way uh the relationship between literary arabic and literary english a novel in 1990 uh just simply didn't get any attention so whereas the, then suddenly you know later uh as english started paying more attention to arabic literature later works came out but not this earlier seminal work although it is still somewhat baffling to me how it it
0: managed to elude mm. translation
1: and publication for so long
0: and so um so what so can you I haven't read it so can you tell me a bit about sort of its its structure and its plot
1: Yeah okay so um actually I'm going to start out by reading a bit from it so you can see why uh Sahar got some pushback about it um it, in in the first place when it came out in 1990 in in Arabic This and this is from near the the end of the book um summer approached her face ashen, and took Nodha into her arms without a word. The women farmers came closer as well and asked, the young man is with you? Yes, he's one of ours. Was he martyred? Yes, he's dead. Why are you so quiet then? Where are your celebration cries? A first trill went off, then another. Nodha stared at the women. Dazed, she said, get them away from me, away. One of the farmhands yelled, Mabruk, Palestine, congratulations to you. You have a new groom. Practically seething, Nudha whispered slowly. I said, get them away from me. Sama raised her hand and signaled to the women to quiet down. One of them yelled, poor fellow, it's not right that a martyr is sent off without a celebration. Who are you? His mother? Sister? What? Curse the devil and call on God. Celebrate Palestine's new groom. Nudha went wild. She spat out. Shit on Palestine. I want my brother, not Palestine. Shame on you, woman. Watch out for the devil. Leave her alone. Leave her alone, somebody yelled. She must trill and damn the devil. How can she let go of such precious blood without a celebration? Notha leapt up from the ground as if possessed. I'm the one who's going to celebrate your blood, you bitches. I'm going to celebrate your blood, you old whores. They slapped their cheeks, flabbergasted. This one's off a rocker. God help you, Palestine. <laughs> so um, I, I think a number of Sahar's books um, are set during important historical moments, and this it was not a historical novel when it came out. It came out during in 1990 during the First Intifada. Although, as I read it now, um, it feels like a historical novel because I'm you know reading it 30 years back. But for instance, Asul al Fasal was uh, set during the time right before the Nakba. Um, and these are sort of historical novels that are uh, told uh, from the perspective of ordinary women's lives, or sometimes extraordinary women's lives, but through women's lives. And um, And, you know, sort of decentralizing heroical narratives, um, narratives of triumph, decentering uh, or disrupting chronology. And I think this is always what I enjoy about uh, Sahar's works, or one of the things I enjoy about Sahar's works is, is re-seeing an event from a completely different perspective. Um, In this case, here we are in the in the intifada and uh there it, it's very of the moment as well because there are uh one of the main mechanisms of the novel is is the curfew so several people uh, namely uh, a a young man who's a fighter um and an a respectable young woman who is a sociological researcher who is probably Sahar Khalifa is a young woman. Um, end up trapped in the home of of a, a woman who is, among other things, a sex worker, and whose mother was a sex worker, and who was a sex worker both for um, Israelis and Palestinians, and who is considered to be a traitor, and her, whose mother
0: was was stabbed. And this is the woman um, also who, in the passage you just read, was so upset this is about Nova, the death of her yes. brother. Okay.
1: Right, her brother is the one person who she really um, clung to uh, and and kept her heart open for, even though he uh, does come to try and kill her kill her. Um, uh, uh, there is a lot of domestic violence, uh, sort of hothouse domestic violence as people are trapped in in small smaller and smaller spaces with one another uh people you know people uh, result you know turn to violence one of the other interesting things uh compelling things about this novel is and it's staged very much like a play text because so much of it is interior we don't get very much setting so a lot of it takes place in notas house a lot of it takes place between just a few rooms you can see Um, Zakaya, who's a a midwife, uh, who, who is able to move between these different spaces more freely. And she's an, an older woman and she doesn't have male relatives to, um, you know, to disapprove of, of who she hangs out with anymore. Um, uh, and Nodha maybe in one room and, um, Samar and, and Ahmed, you know, in another room. And you can kind of. Just even see like how the lighting changes as you're you're looking in on different rooms of what's going on in this house, Um, and and it's very dialogue heavy, and so I think Savad, who translated it into the English, did a a very good job of 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 capturing kind of a more vulgar tone, uh, a more um, careless tone for Nozha.
0: That dialogue was great. It was very vivid and very like natural. Like that really jumped off the page.
1: Yeah, I, so I think uh, so when I she and I talked about it she said she read it aloud to coworkers many times and that they would then flag no that 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 doesn't sound like something somebody would say. Mm. And then you know Summer comes across as more naive and uh it, you know it a and Umzakea is kind of like this she's a she's but a, a, everybody is complicated, right? So um um Zakeia should be, she's a midwife. She's a good, she's, she's a good person. Um, but at one point in the novel, she's approached by her sister-in-law, um, who basically begs her, uh, to take her in because she, she just can't take the abuse from her husband any longer. She's in her fifties and her sixties. Uh, her, her kids are grown. she, she can't take her husband anymore she offers to clean and cook for umzakea she offers to fetch her things carry her things anything if umzakea will please just take her in and umzakea kind of has this uh you know she calculates that this would be a scandal for her brother her family and pushes her to go back and make it work with the husband and she does I mean, I was mm. for me it was just like a standout crushing moment uh because there is you know everybody is you know everybody has their own life that they're trying to live in the book nobody is really golden um there are some young men who are being very heroic in the intifada and yet then they are not you know they're not heroically championing, championing nota the sex worker uh, in their private lives, you know.
0: Right. But that's realistic, though. That oh, it, reaction yeah. it was of one woman to another. Like,
1: I know I just was so like I wanted to, you know, it's one of those moments where I wanted to intervene and say, OK, then come, you can come live with me. Mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if this guy, well, I mean, you know. it's so relevant, this 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 situation you describe of like um, you know, closure and claustrophobia and, and domestic violence. I mean, that that's, that's very relevant to...
1: Yeah, absolutely. It did occur to me that if someone were writing a novel now about, about quarantine and about being trapped in your home, as, as in some countries people are, uh, mm. that this, you know, you, you could read this novel for ways in which she has structured how people are trapped together and how she uses um, dialogue to heighten the tension between them and how she, how uh, she sometimes, you know, sometimes the curfew is lifted and people are, are able to go out. Um, but, uh, but there's no, there's no, there's, there's this sort of, um, knocking your head against the wall. Like in one case, there's a wall put up in in front of the neighborhood by the Israeli authorities, and the women go out at night and they they manage to to uh, I I can't remember what they put inside the cement in order to in order to make weaken it and then push down the wall. And it's like this extremely momentary, fragile triumph. And then a wall goes up again and then there's another curfew. Mm. Um, I don't I don't think the novel is ever suggesting Injustice is forever and uh we're just repeating ourselves over and over again, but that it's it's working against the the sort of nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies uh you know, literature that sometimes was um, you know, um
0: It saw itself as like an an ally of an expression of the national liberation struggle like that. That was really the goal of all art and literature and culture of Palestinian was to like support the the national struggle. So, of course, it was not it was like propagandistic, even some of it that was like very good. And even though the cause is absolutely justified, like that was, I think. A, a, a lot of its, and then and then there were second waves where people wanted to express other things too, and sort of complexities and ambiguities and and individual experiences within that struggle, right?
1: Right. Yeah, and I think domestic violence is a thread that appears throughout Sahar Khalifa's oeuvre. I mean, she's it 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 is generally, as far as it, I can remember at the moment, all of her novels are centered on Palestine. Um. But the lives of, of women and the struggles of women, not to make none of the women in the novel are heroic, including the the character who would Samar, who would be Sahar, maybe. Um, all of them are are failing each other in some way. Um Samar probably mm-hmm. fails Nodha more than anybody else in in the novel. Of course, she admits it, so there's like a level of self-awareness, but um but yes, so it, I really in, enjoyed the novel a lot. I also found it compulsively readable. It's it's quite short. Um, there's there's always <laughs> there's always danger right around the corner, even if it's in the same house with you, or whether it's inside mm. the same house with you or not. Um, so I I'm s- confused still about why it took so long. To come out in translation. It's a lovely translation with the exception of the title that I still struggle with, Passage to the Plaza. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm not, I don't think it's, I don't think it's great either. I don't, I just don't think it renders the like sort of spatial connotations and quite wide array of connotations that the original title has, right? Of like, an opening onto a broader space and, and two words that have like many, many, many meanings that are sort of, at, whereas like passage seems like a narrower than Beb and, and plaza kind of seems like an element from, you know, American malls and real estate developments and stuff like it's something. It's not really part yeah. But, and even really if you
1: conute? you put them together, I don't know, I can't visualize what is a passage to a plaza. I
0: picture something really narrow and then like, it leads to like a, a mall food with, with like fountains in it and pillars. And, and <laughs> and yeah. Like something really modern and with like a fountain. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I mean, finding good titles is really hard. Like it's an, it's an art, um, but it's also, it it, it matters too. Like, yeah, um, I just
1: would hate to think of somebody not reading this book because the title didn't speak to them.
0: Well, you've done a really good job of 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 I mean convincing me at least right now that I would like to read it. So, um, I think Well, as
1: uh, as I do, I've been going around the internet, you know, individually telling people, you should read this. Come on, you should put this on the in your syllabus. Come on. So uh, hopefully.
0: So, and I've just finished reading a book that I think is interesting to talk about. I don't know if I can, if I would recommend it quite as enthusiastically as you would the Khalifa book. I have sort of like mixed feelings about it. Um, I'm sort of grateful to have read it because of the part of literary history that it's introduced me to, um, but I don't think it quite succeeds. So so this is... Um, our Riches by Kauter Adimi, the Algerian novelist. Um, and it's translated. Uh, sorry, I want to give credit to the translator. And I'm just. Uh, to, by Chris Andrews. Um, and it's and the, the original title in French was uh, Les Vries Richesses. And it's the title of a famous um Bookstore um, and lending library and and partly publishing house that was established in Algiers in 1936. Um, I'd never heard of this. I, I don't know if if you had the the man who established it is called uh, Edmond Charlot.
1: No, and and since I haven't read the book, all basically all I did was I looked up a Wikipedia page on Edmond Charlotte and read the the publisher's promotional material of the book. So that's all I know about this at this point. And what was your impression? Um, So two impressions. First, the Wikipedia page for Edmond Charleau was extremely interesting. Obviously, he had a hugely varied life. The promotional material for the novel made me wary. It did set up some uh, red flags for me. It quotes the first line, what I think is the first line of the novel, for centuries, the sun has been rising over the terraces of Algiers. And for centuries on those terraces, we have been killing each other. And I wanted to know who, who is this we? And it seems to play into this trope of, oh, those people in the in the Middle East, at least as it's staged in the promotional material. Oh, those people in the Middle East, they've always been killing each other, which, in, you know, in Algiers, there are some very specific conflicts. Much like everywhere, there are very specific conflicts. Um, but it's not we who've always been killing each other for centuries, <laughs> um, in, unless they're talking, uh, it, the we includes the French. I don't know. Um, there was also a quote that said, The government is sacrificing culture to build mosques on every street corner. And I just, you know, was worried that sort of somehow reading culture was set up as sort of the opposite of religion. And then it said it's a novel about books and freedom and just generally. Anything that sort of vaunts books as sort of the the great human liberator, I uh, automatically just sends up little prickles all over me. Like, uh, books are great. I love books. I center my life around literature in many ways, um, but I don't think that makes anybody morally morally superior or more liberated or a better person. We know a lot of
0: really bad people who read books. <laughs> <laughs> not- right, right. right. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's some- no, there's no direct correlation there. No, um, and uh, no, and I agree with you about you know wanting wanting access to literature and to literacy, wanting people to have that as 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 a gift as as a as a pleasure, but but not being condescending. Uh, uh, sort of not speaking from this position of like we the those who do appreciate literature uh uh not making it a sort of moral supergnish sort of an issue of moral superiority um you know what why don't i read the introductory pages that that those lines are in ah uh, yes um, please because it is a kind of striking opening section to the book um and it's it's a, it's, a, it's a thing she repeats a couple times out the book where she sort of talks uh, to the reader and she also does passages where she talks from a kind of imagined collective Algerian we. Um, so I'll just read this. It's like two and a half pages. Um, Algiers 2017 As soon as you arrive in Algiers, you will have to tackle the steep streets, climb and then descend. You will come out onto Didouche Murad. So many alleyways off to each side, like hundreds of intersecting stories. A few steps away from a bridge that is favoured by suicides and lovers alike. Keep going down, away from the cafes and the bistros, the clothing stores, the produce markets. Quick, keep going, don't stop, turn left, smile at the old florist, lean for a few moments against a hundred-year-old palm tree, ignore the policeman who will tell you that it's prohibited, Chase a goldfinch along with some kids and come out onto Place Emir Abdelkader. You might miss the milk bar. The letters on the recently renovated facade are hard to make out in full daylight. Their contours are blurred by the blinding sun and the almost white blue of the sky. You will see children climbing onto the plinth of the statue of Emir Abdelkader, smiling broadly, posing for their parents, who will waste no time in posting the photos on social media. A man will be smoking and reading a newspaper in a doorway. You will have to greet him and exchange a few pleasantries before turning back, but not before glancing off to the side, the silver sea sparkling, the cries of the gulls, and always that blue, almost white. You will have to follow the channel of sky, forget the Haussmann-style buildings, and go past the Habitat, that block of cement looming over the city. You will be alone, you have to be alone to get lost and see everything. There are some cities, and this is one, where any kind of company is a burden. The visitor wanders there as if among thoughts, hands in pockets, a twinge in the heart. You will climb the streets, push open heavy wooden doorways, doors that are never locked, touch the marks left on the walls by bullets that cut down unionists, artists, soldiers, teachers, anonymous passers-by, and children. For centuries, the sun has been rising over the terraces of Algiers, and for centuries on those terraces, we have been killing each other. Take the time to sit down on one of the steps in the kasbah, Listen to the young banjo players, imagine the old women behind closed shutters, watch the children having fun with a cat that has lost its tail. And the blue overhead and the blue at your feet, sky blue plunging into sea blue, a drop of oil dilating to infinity the sea and sky that we no longer notice in spite of the poets who try to convince us that they are palettes of color waiting to be adorned with pink or yellow or black. Forget that the roads are drenched with red, a red that has not been washed away, and every day our steps sink into it a little deeper. At dawn, before cars have invaded all the city's thoroughfares, we can hear the bombs exploding in the distance. But you will follow the alleys that lie open to the sun, won't you? You'll come at last to Rue Hamani, formerly known as Rue Charas. You'll look for 2B. It won't be easy because some of the numbers have disappeared. You'll stand there facing a sign in a window. One who reads is worth two who don't. Facing history with a capital H, which changed this world utterly, but also the small-h history of a man, Edmond Charlot. In 1936, at the age of 21, opened a lending library called Les Vraies Richesses. So those are the first three pages of the right, book,
1: right? Yeah, and there's a lot that's lovely about them.
0: And in fact, I, I think they're they are quite lovely in the way they're written. And and I actually wish more of the book was written like this. There's these like little lyrical interludes mm-hmm. um, where you see. Uh, uh, the author's talents as a writer and then uh, a lot a lot of the rest of the book actually is this kind of imagined journal for charlot for the mm. the man the librarian which is um i think a bit of a letdown because it's really a way for her to give a lot of information about the 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 business the library and like who published there and what happened and um but it doesn't read at all like a real person's journal because it, it doesn't have any like revelations or gossip or emotion. You don't really get a picture of him. She, she doesn't really like fully imagine him. It's, I think maybe she was too respectful of this historical figure to like right. just, just make him up right so so the the journal is like impossibly banal like nobody writes a journal like that like it's just a way of giving you sort of information about what happened in the history of this institution unfortunately to get back to your question of the line so I don't know if you feel any differently about it in the context of those two pages it I also noticed that exact same line and it also made me now, I think also when she's saying we kill each other," she's presumably talking about the civil war uh, as well as the fight, you know, uh, right. th- with, between so Algerians and French and then between Algerians afterwards Right. So um, the 90s uh,
1: civil war, the, the black, black decade, in, in right. addition to the long civil war between the French and the Algerians, um, I guess you know the, the part of the question is, who, who is we? I guess. But in any case it's still not
0: centuries.
1: (laughs) Between nineteen sixty and nineteen ninety is not centuries.
0: Yeah, especially not on the terraces of Algeria. I mean, there I think there was actually colonial violence going back maybe a couple of centuries. Absolutely. but yeah, it is. I mean, so in the rest of the book, I would say there is not a lot of ambiguity or false equivalencies about who's morally responsible. And, and the voice is this collective, we is Algerian very mm-hmm. much. And there's a couple of descriptions of particular massacres carried out in Algeria and in Paris uh, against Algerians by the French So I wouldn't say that overall it's a problem with the book that there's any kind of like obfuscation or, you know, setting up two-sidedism about like the colonial presence in Algeria. Um, I also think it is a celebration of this, uh, you know, cultural adventure um, Mm. because... Because he establishes this, I guess this, you know, as, as some some places and some projects do, like he opened this little teeny and you look at photos that it's like minuscule, like this little place full of books. Um, and because there was nothing else like it at the time, I guess, in town, you know, and, and they were politically also, you know, they were sort of liberals, leftists, very young, uh, it immediately became this huge hub. And so it it took this really sort of had this huge uh, importance for like a general, it was right next to the university. Camus who'd gone to high school with Charlotte, like hung out there and like he published his first texts that through his Charlotte's publishing house. So it was, you know, it's an, it is an exciting actually, uh, uh, moment. I think I me, me and you probably like dream of having, uh, you know, either, either owning or knowing or frequenting these kinds of places, right? right. That are full of people who, who love literature and are producing things. He published, he didn't publish that much. Uh, he published, uh, you know, international authors, but published them in Algeria, which was already like, there were no publishing houses, I guess, or, or you know, based in Algiers, I guess. Um, and then he published a lot of Noir Algerian writers, mostly. So, so, so. If, so French writers who had grown up, who were second, you know, first or second generation, grown up in Algeria, and then later on, he published. I, I tried to find out he how many Algerian Arab Algerian authors he published, and there was some later on in in a, in a subsequent uh, in some of his subsequent ventures, and when he did. Um, Art an art gallery because then he became an art gallerist after the war. He promoted a lot of, uh, of, of Algerian authors of both French and Arab backgrounds. Um, but he had like a lot of different phases to his life. So th- there was this bookstore, he went to Paris, he opened a publishing house there and he, he was also always opening literary magazines. Uh, most of them failed. The publishing house in Paris went bankrupt um, then he opened like a second bookstore in algiers which was bombed twice by like the right wing uh uh you know pro colonial french militias as mm. uh, the the second time destroying all his papers and all his archives and um and then he had the, and then and then he he got into the visual arts and was also like involved in 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 as a gallerist and then he worked for cultural centers and like uh, institut français you know he was a he was employed uh, at uh, cultural french cultural centers abroad this is long long life but in a way what he's most famous for is giving this group of of young algerian algiers based writers their their start right and that's what you, most of the novel is about
1: this the novel
0: time. yeah the novel focuses on the on the early years so it doesn't even get into when he came back I guess it does discuss him no, no, it does it does discuss briefly when he came back and his second bookstore was was bombed. I mean, the other thing is the book basically pushed me to just go online and read up a bunch about him because, because there were a lot of questions I then had from reading it. I mean, it's not a very big book, so it really condenses things. Um and it sort of gives out all these kind of tantalizing, you know, names of works and names of people. Um, but then you you almost you know, for me, I'm not that familiar with that, that time period or that place. So I had to like, I, I both wanted to and almost I felt like had to to make sense of the story, go and read some more online. Right. Um, and, and so what she does as a novelist, what she sort of adds to it is that she makes up this modern story, which is the story of the caretaker of the bookstore and the bookstore being closed and a young Algerian coming to like clean it out. Um, And so there's, I think, you know, what she's trying to make of it as a subject is this idea of an older versus a younger generation and the younger generation kind of not caring or not knowing about its heritage and its history.
1: So this is in the beginning of the novel, you come to the bookshop and you see it's been closed down. And then we go back in time to, to his story?
0: Yeah, it's sort of there, it's back and forth between the journal, a few of these kind of like lyrical sort of collective passages and the story of this young man who's come back, who's been given the job of like literally throwing all the books out onto the streets um, while the old caretaker kind of lingers around resentfully and sadly, like, you know, and finally, and of course they meet and they talk and, and, and so on and so forth. I mean, the thing is that didn't actually happen the bookstore since she then reveals on the last page that it didn't close down, that it's still open. Right. Uh, it, kind of a, a strange conceit for a frame story. I mean, what if I it closed? Aha, uh-huh, but it didn't. <laughs> well, you know, what if it closed? Uh-huh. And and isn't that terrible? And how we don't care about right, things. Right, young people and- these days, finger Right, and you know, uh, and, and the state, you know, that criticism you mentioned of the state sort of like, and we're the state that doesn't care about our own culture and our own history. There's a few kind of like references to that. And but then in the end, you find out like, because... Because the book does make you curious about this particular place. Mm. Like, it's true that after reading this book, if I ever go to Algiers again, I'm going to go find it like I am. Right. You become fascinated with this little bit of history and you and you will go on that pilgrimage to see what's happened to it. But it imagines um, it, it builds a kind of not an argument because it's a novel but but it builds this idea of loss around a loss that hasn't apparently happened right which is of
1: course her prerogative uh, as a fiction writer but it seems like a disappointment like you know like coming to the end of a book and somebody saying and it was all a dream
0: like what (laughs) (laughs) Well, and also it's just not clear what to make of it. I mean, because it is because it is a fiction that is very much embedded in real history, right? Right, right. Uh, like she didn't make up a whole bookstore and then make up its closure. The bookstore really existed for all these years. All these people really existed. But then she makes up a fake, like why to tell its story do you need this end point of its why does that sort of like make it a more compelling or or satisfying? Why is that necessary to invent its demise to tell its story I'm I don't I don't think it right. is right actually. well I
1: think that way in that sense you're setting up some kind of binary you know uh, then versus now um, good good bookshop versus evil closing bookshop
0: rather than something maybe like more. that and 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 you know but it does it does feel like you've been sort of manipulated but you're not sure to what purpose like you know in this (laughs) setting of like in in the story um you know the neighborhood doesn't agree with the closure and but also as i was reading it i i sort of was wondering i was like would the algerian state really like like just you know sell a landmark like this and and let people like throw out First editions from like the 1930s like that doesn't seem plausible and 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 it's if any I mean Algeria is not a country that's disinterested in its story in its history and and uh, you know in that it pays a lot of attention to its history um so yeah I had questions throughout but I do appreciate having been led to learn a lot more about uh this this scene and this and this little and this little place, which seems to have given um, so much joy to the, everyone who was involved with it, right? And it seems to have been particularly interesting
1: during the late 1930s and World War II as a kind of site of resistance as well, a, a site of Nazi resistance.
0: Yeah, I yeah they they I mean they published. Uh, they published some things that were censored uh, by the authorities um, and then censored by the Vichy authorities um, and, and published like anonymously. Um, and uh, yeah, they were, they were all, it was all anti-Nazis, I think. I mean, so it's definitely like described in some of the descriptions as like a publisher of the resistance or something in Algeria. Um there's I think the probably, though, the history actually in the 50s is equally interesting. And I wish I I mean, again, you, I just want more. There are a lot of other books written about it, actually, and, and some interviews with Shahlo that you can find online, um, because also, obviously, when he came back and was living in the 50s and 60s, as the Algerian civil war really picked up, that w- must have also been an incredible time and a, and a much more fraught one probably. Right.
1: Right. With a, a, him being in a increasingly complex position.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and probably among the people that, I mean, you know, so everybody maybe could be on the same, everybody who frequented that scene could maybe be on the same side in the late thirties, but like Camus famously was like, not really in favor of decolonization. Right. You say. Right. So, So it was a more complex time, actually. Um, Or maybe
1: not a more complex time, but a time when those complexities suddenly became visible, um, where they had previously been somehow able to sort of not focus on them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But It's a kind of inspiring story. And then, you know, there's all these stories about them, like not having paper and you know, because especially, you know, before, during and after the war, there are all these shortages. So they were like printing on butcher paper and like making their books with wire and like, you know, and it all getting sold out like immediately. And he seems to, you know, and he would give people books, you know, young people who couldn't afford the subscription and couldn't afford to buy books, he would give them books for free. And, you know, it's, 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 there's, there's a lot of sort of lovely little elements to the, to that story.
1: Right. And it, does it talk about, so I, sir, yeah, I know famously Camus position on the Algerian civil war, but does it talk about Charlotte? or it doesn't reach that point? I'm, no, so
0: it does sort or of rather like, the it
1: anti-colonial has... war, not the civil war of the nineties.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. So it, it because it, it does talk about his shop being bombed by the OAS mm-hmm. Um uh so it has him in his, again in this imagined journal say like a couple you know sympathetic things to the without like a 100% spelling out like his political position but it sort of makes it as clear as it can but like i said the journal unfortunately does not really bring a a figure to life i would say right like right. he comes across as very nice in the journal, but he doesn't come across as a person. Right. No, I'm mean, I, I, thinking
1: of all the published writer's journals that I've read. There's a lot of, you know,
0: infighting and gossiping and whatever. Mean. I, t- <laughs> I totally miss it. There's like one reference. There's a kind of famous case where when he was, when, when Charlot was in Paris and setting up this publishing house and this magazine, he was collaborating with, uh, the, the publisher of the magazine was a writer called Amrouch. And supposedly they were um given the text of what eventually was a very uh, you know, a famous Algerian novel. Uh, I think it's The Poor Man. It's it's by Ferraun. So so they re- um so without telling Charlotte, his collaborator rejected the draft of this book. And then Charlot found out like 10 years later. And was horrified that they had, this book was wonderful. Why hadn't they published it? Right, that's like a great insight. And he always suspected that his collaborator had had turned it down out of jealousy, out of literary jealousy oh. for how good it was. Nice. So this is like this is great gossip, you know. There's like one reference to it, and in the journal she has him be like. I guess I'll never know what happened. And I was like, <laughs> no, no, like, like no. Like in your it... journal? Are you kidding me? i I'm like, <laughs> imagine murdering him over it. Come on. I mean, just make it up. Just, oh. just say what his reaction would be. Like, you right. know, whether he's disgusted, whether he secretly sympathizes, like whatever it is, you know, right. just right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a. It's a so anyway. It's a book that I can't really fault for any particular. I mean nothing stands out as like a real flaw in a way. And at the same time, it kind of feels like a missed opportunity. Um, especially that there are passages where there's really some very nice writing and the subject I think is really like full of potential. Right. But it didn't quite work for me.
1: Right. Well, maybe in the end it was that she was too precious a bit about the subject
0: that she wasn't willing to mess him up. Yeah, maybe something like that and to go deeper and bigger kind of mm. and 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 yeah, if you're going to write his, historical fiction, which is what this is, you know, then I think you have to go the kind of Hilary Mantel route and everywhere where the use the record as your skeleton but then all the flesh on the bones just feel free to imagine it yourself. Right. Yeah. Which she obviously does. Yeah. Pretty, pretty. But,
1: uh, you know, I think it, it, it's, it's possible that you would feel slightly more uneasy about somebody close to you in time. But I think if you're, if you're going down that route, you just have to, you just have to go all
0: the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's but better, better take risks. That That's the whole moral of this, of, of the, of the underlying story. I mean, it's all about these people kind of, you know, opening things and, and magazines and places without, they were, they were poor. And half the time they ended up even poorer by the end of it. And, but they loved what they That's were doing. That's okay. Losing
1: money at a literary magazine is a noble thing. Well,
0: well, watch out because you romanticize that too much and it can become self-fulfilling, but um <laughs> All right. Well, listen, it was great talking to you. Um, it was lovely talking always. to you, too. And um, uh, please, everyone, take care. Um, and if you like the show, don't forget to share, rate, subscribe, and, you know, all of that. So right. And
1: take care of each other and stay safe in your quarantine, whatever it may be.
0: Yeah. And you, too. All
1: yes. right. Stay Bye-bye. safe and sane. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye, dear.
0: Bye.